Welcome to Speak the Truth, a podcast devoted to giving biblical truth for educating, equipping, and encouraging the individual and local church in counseling and discipleship. Hello, hello, hello. We are still in studio on this beautiful day in December. It's it's raining. You just we just talked about the thunder. Hey, Texas needs rain. Yeah, that is true. We do. Yes, we Thank do. you, Lord, for watering. I wouldn't your say the creation. same about Seattle, which uh, we have a special guest with us today. Yeah. As we continue, correct? Yeah, uh-huh. Would you like to introduce our special guest? You Sean? go ahead. You got it. <laughs> we should all be drawing straws. Who do we, who wants to introduce the honor of? We have Dr. Bob Kellerman. If you are just, um, if you have not listened to the podcast that we just posted before this one, I want you to pause right now and go back and listen to the podcast that we just posted where we interviewed Dr. Bob Kellerman on his two new books, his 19th and 20th book that he just released called Gospel-Centered Family Counseling and Gospel-Centered Marriage Counseling. It's a two-part series, so don't buy just one, buy both. And this is a how-to manual of equipping, an equipping guide for pastors and counselors, but technically for everybody. So just get it, read it. You won't regret it. Uh, you can look up more information about Bob Kellerman at rpmministries.org. Um, his bio is an hour long in itself. So we're just going <laughs> to skip that and we're going to put that in the show notes. But as you pause this, listen to the other one, you'll get to hear a little bit more about Bob. But I'm so thankful, Bob, that you're giving us a little bit more time because I'm excited just being the new executive director ABC. Well, I don't know if I can say new now. It's been a little over a year now. Yeah, can you believe been. it? No. Um, Jeremy and I just wanted to have you on to talk about the book that you wrote on anxiety and the Gospel for Real Life booklet series. And so, Jeremy, would you just tell the listeners, those who's tuning in to speak the truth, they might not fully know about the Gospel for Real Life series, just kind of a little bit about that, the background, how it got started, and then we can talk specifically about what Bob did um, focused on uh, anxiety, the topic of anxiety. Yeah, so something that we as a team wanted to do was just create a series of of basically mini books on specific topics. And we tasked the authors of these mini books with uh, bringing the gospel to bear on some of the toughest issues that people are facing. You know, sometimes if we're not careful in, in as counselors who use scripture, uh, sometimes we can overemphasize, I guess, what we would call the imperatives uh, and obedience, which are very important. Uh, we wouldn't want to um, minimize those in any, in any way, but sometimes we do that without really bringing the gospel indicatives to bear in the conversation. And so we wanted to create a series that included both of those, really, uh, and reached out to some of our favorite people and some of the most gifted authors that we knew and um, asked them to be a part of that. And we were honored uh, that uh, Dr. Bob Kellerman uh, was willing to be a, a part of that team. Yeah, that's awesome. So, Bob, thank you for, for joining us again today to talk about this book. And thank you for contributing to the Gospel for Real Life series. Well, you're very welcome, Shauna and Mike and Jeremy. Great to be with the whole team again. And I really appreciate uh, your encouragement and I've been honored to be a part of this series. I think it's an excellent series with a number of great authors. And maybe someday we could do another interview and a second one I wrote in that series on sexual abuse, beauty yeah. for ashes. But uh, yeah. today it's about the anxiety, anatomy, and cure. 
Yes. Michael, do you want to just take a minute? Since yeah. You have the best podcast voice, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> read the booklet summary. No, I, yeah, I'm looking forward to this because something about this, uh, this booklet summary that I, I think changes the, the paradigm in terms of the way that we approach anxiety. So uh, anxiety, anatomy, and cure presents God's prescriptions for victory in anxiety. Worry, doubt, and fear get the best of all of us sometimes. Anxiety, like any other negative emotion, is a twisted version of something positive from God. Is living it? yeah living in a fallen world we may never have full victory over anxiety this side of heaven however bob kellerman counsels that we can have victory in our anxieties and just really quick in the booklet summary that's what i wanted to point out like the preposition changes the way that we approach anxiety not over you know what I mean? Over anxiety versus in anxiety. So it's, you know, like learning or from to, like trying to get rid of it. Right. right. Like, because that's where most of the counseling comes from. So that's what I really appreciate about this. And, and so Bob lays out a proper Christian view of anxiety from creation to fall to redemption to consummation. Along the way, he helps us apply the gospel to our daily life and reclaim anxiety for what it should be. Vigilance to motivate us to do God's work. So, Bob, you, you actually highlight that idea of victory in anxiety and not just a victory over anxiety. Right. What, From your perspective, what's the difference and why is that important? Yeah, Mike, I think you captured that really well with that that summary. Well, think about what we're saying or implying to people if it's victory over anxiety. Uh, we're communicating that the promise that no more tears, no more sorrow, that's an promise for heaven for eternity and we begin to almost communicate that that's a promise for today right and think about jesus promise to us and his disciples in this world you will have trouble but take heart i've overcome the world jesus is real about this fallen world and so the booklet tries to do the same and what I'm, I'm trying to emphasize by this idea of victory in anxiety is i'm wanting to convey what it's actually like to be struggling with fighting against anxiety. Now, a lot of people write books and do seminars and presentations on emotion-related issues, and you almost wonder, has the person ever struggled with that themselves? And so one of the things I say in the very first page is, my name is Bob, and I've struggled with anxiety, worry, and fear. And I say, for some people, maybe that means I shouldn't be writing this book. I think my perspective is, because I take that worry anxiety and fear to the Lord in daily dependence upon him. It's actually part of what qualifies me to write on that. So, so I really want to encourage readers. They can get so discouraged with just get over it, sort of, you know, the Bob Newhart clip that's so famous <laughs> or infamous, just, just stop, stop it. it. Stop it. <laughs> just stop it. That can be so discouraging that there is this daily battle that we will have till heaven, but we can have victory in that battle as we fight in God's power. So that's the gist of what we're we're trying to talk about. That's so encouraging. Like that's an immediate encouraging to anyone who's going through anxiety. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. And the reality is if, if we do the opposite, if we make this false promise that we've got some remedy that's going to get you over your mm-hmm. anxiety, we're actually setting a person up to, to really struggle with anxiety at a much deeper level. Yeah. Totally. It compounds it, man. It's yeah. like, okay, what yeah. am I missing? And guilt and shame, right? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And so building on, on your uh, Bob Newhart uh, comment, <laughs> uh, you know, one of the things that you mentioned in the book is that the remedy to take two verses and call me in the morning you, you cite that in your book. Tell us more about that. Well, let's think about the stereotype 
Jeremy, of what happened. So you share with a friend, a counselor, a pastor that you're struggling with worry, fear, anxiety. What's their response? Because they care, but maybe they don't know how to care really effectively. They race you maybe prematurely to a great verse, Philippians 4, 6. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Great. First, we all believe in the sufficiency, relevancy of Scripture. But you know, in that scenario, it's not even take two verses and call me in the morning. It's take one verse and don't call me. Mm. Just quickly fix yourself. You know, so really, I wrote the booklet. Even though the booklets in this series, as you mentioned, Jeremy, are brief, I think they're all jam-packed with practical biblical theology. So, so I wrote the book so we'd have more of a robust relational approach helping people have this victory in anxiety. You know, anxiety requires really a comprehensive and compassionate biblical theology of anxiety. If we're to understand it and have victory in and eventually the other side of heaven, victory over it. Yeah. You know, one of the things, um, that really began to draw me. I used to be very suspicious of biblical counseling many, many years ago. And one of the things that began to draw me in touches this this idea that you're talking about in terms of just quoting a Bible verse for anxiety. And uh, I think it's important for our listeners to to recognize this also. Um, I don't know if it was Ed Welch or David Pallison, Paul Tripp, one of those guys uh, introduced in, in one of their lectures um, the idea that the Bible is not intended to be utilized as an encyclopedia, which would be more of, let me find the anxiety passages in my concordance and and quote that. But rather, our task as biblical counselors is to really create a robust theological lens. So the Bible is more of a lens that interprets. Mm. Um, And so I really appreciate the fact that you bring that to the forefront, because a lot of times, um, even uh, for those that are outside biblical counseling, we get caricatured as only being able to quote a verse about yeah. a, a particular emotion when indeed that is not the case. Well, when I think about that, Jeremy, one of the phrases I use sometimes when I'm teaching about counseling is a whole Bible story mm. is a whole person's whole story. And if we think about that, then we're not going to just race in and cram a verse down. Mm-hmm. We're going to listen to their whole story. What is anxiety like for this person? We're going to listen to their the whole person, which is part of probably what we'll talk about a little bit in this interview, how the, the booklet tries to look at a comprehensive look at the whole person, their inner life, but then the whole Bible story, not just a verse, but as you're saying, what is that redemptive story, that gospel-centered story mm. that people need to think through and apply to their struggle with anxiety, worry, and fear? No, that's good. And speaking of redemptive, so what difference does the cross make in addressing anxiety? Well, just go ahead and just throw it out there, man. Yeah. Blame hey, blame. well, right. It's well, like, how does the cross make a difference, huh? Yeah. Give me that 30 yeah. second elevator pitch. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, before I give you the 30 second, can I go back in time a little bit? Absolutely. You got to have context. So I think part of, as I've looked at, and lots of people do this creation, fall, redemption, consummation, which may sound like, wait, Somebody's struggling with anxiety and you're throwing theology at them. Well, mm-hmm. you know, not dusty academic theology, but really practical God's whole story. So let me give that kind of a creation, fall, redemption. Then we can get back to that redemption yeah. part a little bit. So to me, if we're going to avoid that one person, one verse, one solution mentality and experience the sufficiency and relevancy of God's word, that's where we need this biblical anatomy of anxiety. We need this biblical theology. 
So in there, I present that creation, fall, redemption. And, and what I do is I say there is this God designed us creation with a positive design that's opposite of anxiety. In the fall, this positive design that we'll talk about is vigilance gets twisted into anxiety. And then to your question, Mike, in our salvation in Christ, we can be returned to God's original design and then live on the basis of our final hope where there are no more tears, no more crying, no more anxiety. Mm. That's the consummation. So I want to just kind of give that fuller picture before we got into the, the redemption side. And I think that's important too, because sometimes in our biblical counseling, we skip the fall side. We skip the struggle side and we go right to the redemptive side. I'm not saying that that's where you were headed, Mike, but I just wanted to kind of put us back a little bit. So we get maybe the the background and foundation before we get the answer, if you will. So Bob, real quick on, on the idea of vigilance, uh, if God created us to scan our world and to be vigilant, how did vigilance go bad and turn into troubling anxiety? Right. Well, well, let's think about that creation part and then move into that, that fall part of how it went bad. So here's the premise I, I try and develop in the, in the booklet, every dysfunctional fallen emotion is a distortion of God's original pre-fall design. Hmm. So God intended us to experience a mood that's the flip side of anxiety. And so I thought, well, what does that mean? What would that look like? So I went to scripture, started studying Genesis to Revelation, and got to Genesis 2.15. And we see there that God placed Adam in the garden to work and take care of it. The old KJV says to dress it and keep it. And it's out of that phrase that I get my phrase vigilance, which I think is the flip side, the creation part of what becomes anxiety. So the Hebrew word behind take care of or keep means to guard, to protect, to keep safe, to watch over, to keep vigil. God called Adam to be on sentry duty. So to fulfill this calling, God created Adam and the four of us and our listeners with the mood or emotion that I'm calling vigilance. And even think about that, the root of that vig, vigil, vigilant, uh, vigor. It all relates to being a sentry. God built into our brains a sentry to be a sentinel. But to get to your question then, Jeremy, here's what happens in the fall. We get stuck being a sentinel. We get stuck in scanning. And one of the ways I describe it sometimes, if you relate anxiety sometimes to PTSD and post-traumatic stress disorder, especially if you think about somebody trained in the military, they're in warfare and they have to be vigilant, right? Mm -hmm. They have to be a sentinel. They have to be on guard constantly. And so their whole body, brain, soul gets geared to this scanning, scanning, scanning all the time. Then they come home and somehow they're supposed to relax. And maybe the kid drops the bowl and it breaks and man, they just jump out of the chair because their body's almost been trained. And so I call it kind of stuck vigilance. Mm. And I think that's a picture of what anxiety is. We, we are created to scan, but in anxiety, it's like hypervigilance. It's stuck vigilance. It, it's vigilance out of control. So it's almost become toxic scanning. And I look at all the what ifs of life. And in a fallen world, think about 2020. We're at the end of 2020 as we do this podcast. I mean, the COVID-19, the election issues, the 
Black Lives Matter, race relationship tension, wear a mask, don't wear. I mean, mm-hmm. there's so many things to be scanning and to be worried about the what ifs of life. And anxiety is that toxic scanning. But what's helpful, I think, especially when I share this with people, they're like, wow, so you mean my anxiety has this this part, this foundation, there's something beautiful behind it. Mm. If I could find a biblical way to not be scanning toxically, but could do it in a healthy way, just that concept for a lot of people I've counseled, a lot of people have emailed me about the booklet, that in itself is encouraging. I'm not just Mm. this totally messed up person. There's something positive behind this negative emotion I'm experiencing. That was a long answer, Jeremy. No, that, that, that's fantastic. It's brilliant. So good. Yeah, yeah we just want to... And it addresses just the talking. reality of sin and, you know, the, the fact that the creation groans and just how how much it's involved in everything. And, you know, Bob, in, in, when you read the, the anxiety literature, um, you're always going to run across this idea that, you know, that, that anxiety is a part of the evolved brain because we had to survive, et cetera, et cetera. And what you just gave us was a beautiful articulation of a biblical alternative to mm-hmm. that. Yeah. It's very good. So good. Thank you. And Bob, you you actually use Philippians to explore the model for facing anxiety, like the face to face with Christ. So how do, what do we see in Philippians for some gospel centered wisdom for victory and anxiety? Sure. Well, one of the reasons I wanted to use Philippians was that, you know, that's where the verse Philippians four, six, be anxious for nothing. Mm. And I thought, what if, since we had just what, 40 pages in that booklet, um, what if we had just a little bit of time? Could we expand beyond that one verse to the one chapter? Could we go to the whole book and begin to develop something of a biblical, practical theology beyond just the one verse? And part of my, my hope for people, and that's just um, four short chapters. I forget how many words. I know I counted it once, depending on your version, and the 300 words. It's like not even a blog post in size. So I wanted readers that kind of have this mindset that, wow, if this one short epistle and one brief chapter in the, all the Bible books has that much relevant counsel about anxiety, I can't wait to explore the rest of the Word of God to find additional truth for life so I can experience victory in anxiety. So again, it's like taking a biopsy, if you will, of the scriptures, this one book, one chapter, one verse, and then taking from that uh, half a dozen biblical principles that, that then develop what I know, Jeremy, you are so passionate about with the ABC, the sufficiency, relevancy, the profound nature of God's word. Mm-hmm. You've got it in this small epistle. Now let's go to God's word because it really does have answers for real life. Yeah, that's good. It's good. It's like, can we just let Bob talk? I just want to listen. <laughs> it's so good. Well, one of the things that I, I love about these um, little booklets is like, you're, you're right. It's, it's not a lot of words and all of the authors have, you know, tried to tackle a, a topic that really is, is quite large, right? They could turn into another book, but how do we make it really small, which allows counselors to use it in a lot of different ways, right? So not only am I as a biblical counselor going to grab this book and learn from it 
um, and just learn more about anxiety in general. But Bob, how would you encourage maybe biblical counselors and pastors out there to use it as a tool, like uh, whether it's in the session, the actual counseling session, or maybe even if it's is the booklet bought and given as like a homework assignment, how would you encourage counselors to use it in that way? Right, right. And maybe give uh, our listeners a little bit of a picture of what's in the, the booklet. But I try and do two things to make it practical for homework assignment in counseling conversation. One is I have this running dialogue with an individual I call Mike. Mike in some ways is compiling a lot of different people I've counseled. In some ways it's compiling a lot of my own life story. Hmm. And so we have Mike walk through and share his reaction. It's not all nice, neat, and easy because counseling in life isn't like that. But there's at one point where he's talking about seeing God as his guard. And so if we're supposed to be on sentry duty and that gets docked and we step back and say, wait a second, God promises to guard and guide our heart. So I don't have to take control of that. I can relinquish that to God. So I quote Mike at one point saying, wow, I don't have to live an anxious guarded life. I don't have to guard myself or be self-protective. I don't have to be self-focused, always stuck scanning my horizon fearfully. I can live an unguarded life because God is my guard. I can protect protect others because God is my protector. I can focus my energies on God and others because God is my sentinel. So one of the things that a counselor can do is take something like that. And what I often do with counselees is we maybe they've read that ahead. We may read that quote. And I say, what in what Mike said resonates with you? What would be really cool and easy for you to apply? What would be different and hard? Because I think sometimes we just assume my story or something somebody read is a one-to-one correlation to another person. It's not. So good biblical counseling gets that conversation going. So I think you can use those built-in dialogues to help a counselee think through where does that fit in my life. And then, Shauna, a second thing we do throughout the book, not only that ongoing case study, but we have these application questions. So there's like six different categories that I take people through that work on our spiritual relationship with God, our social relationship with the body of Christ, how other people help us to deal with our anxiety, or even our relationship with ourselves, our identity in Christ. There's categories of putting on new ways of thinking about life and fears and worries, kind of the rational part. There's volitional part. What can I do? What behavior change coming out of heart change can I do? There's emotional setting and questions, and then there's the physical. So that's what, six or seven categories. So with each of those, at the end, I have a couple of homework questions that people can go through. For example, in victory in anxiety occurs in community, I ask this question. As you struggle against anxiety, who are your spiritual teammates? Do you have a band of of spiritual brothers, a sorority of spiritual sisters who fight with you. And so you may assign that with the counselee. They come back, then you ask that question, you dialogue about that. Because we all know what happens a lot of times with anxiety. We get very self-focused, right? Yeah. Everything becomes like this. We're, we're almost arms around ourselves and almost claustrophobic. And so we're trying to stretch people to relationship with other people. Uh, another question uh, in the application on living and loving with courage, we ask, where can you replace fearful inaction with other-centered action? Mm -hmm. Be specific. What initial faith steps can you take? Now, 
I wouldn't start with that one. You start with that and it becomes a Bob Newhart. But as you mm-hmm. work through their relationship to God, work through their their taking their emotions and soothing their soul and their savior. There certainly is a type a time to do that. And we talked about the Bob Newhart. How about the movie? What about Bob and baby steps? <laughs> That's a silly movie, but the baby step principle I think is biblical mm. right in that Philippians passage in uh, verse eight and nine, Paul talks about, then he talks about renewing our mind. Then he says, what you've heard me say, put into practice. Mm. One version is a one word translation. Do. So there is a time to help a counselee to begin to take baby steps. He may be a counselee as a phobia of the dentist. My step isn't going to be go in and have a root canal. Mm-hmm. My step's going to be a conversation about now as you're trusting God with these fears and phobias, let's talk together. What are some baby steps you can take to demonstrate your faith in a God who will guard you as you go through what for you? can feel like a very terrifying experience. Mm, that's excellent. And you know, something that is important for our listeners to to know is if we don't give the do, if we don't give the step, whatever that person is afraid of, it's it, it's not going to be resolved in any way. They're not going to realize that that um, that it they don't have to be as terrified about whatever it is. Um, so I think a lot of times, you know, we do need to to not be, we need to be cautious, like uh, Bob is saying, and not just throw people into the deep end. But when we're counseling with anxiety, uh, getting to the do part is a very important part of the process. Yeah. Yeah. That's the end part. That's that prepositional piece that was in the summary right. of the book. It's, exactly it's the right. end versus over because yes. they want to start and get, tell me what I need to know in order to get over it versus, no, let's walk through it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that was really good and a lot that was explained from a biblical counseling standpoint. But Michael, as you know, we have lots of pastors that are listening. Like what, what would your thoughts be on how this could actually be utilized or implemented in the local church outside of, you know, is this something that a community group or something could go through yeah or, I'd, well I'd, or even leaders and that's the that's the beautiful thing about these resources you know i mean specifically this one on anxiety is like anything from a leadership perspective you know as far as lay leaders are concerned small group leaders because at the end of the day you know they're under shepherds right mm-hmm. um so they're they're extending that under shepherding so anytime you l- bring people into your home you open up the word of god you minister to people you're edifying one another and and, and it's at a, you know a specific time whether it's formal or informal that's a time in which you are under shepherding these people you know those so there's a level of authority so the word of god is speaking um so to be more intentional because anytime you talk with you know people in a group whether you break out into smaller groups at some point anxiety is going to be somewhere in the conversation 100 percent. that's yeah. why i think it's just so, so much more than just think, that one-on-one counseling yeah right? yeah um so i, I to me th- there's a way that even using this resource could be um completely used in a leadership developing, you know, mm-hmm. lay leader piece. Um, well, if you're a community group leader, if you're leading in Bible studies yeah. and even guiding discussions, I mean, I remember so many, whatever ladies, relational context you're in, this would be applicable. Right. Like yeah. one, it's not only going to just help your own heart, right. And help you grow as a believer, but you're always in those contexts. That I always say this. I'm like, you're, we're all called to counsel. We're always given our opinions all the time. So how do we turn our opinions Hashtag into wisdom? ACB, right. ABC called to counsel. ABC call, yeah. Called to counsel or whatever, but it's, it's like the thought process of get this book and 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 actually it's a 
good size for Christmas, right? Good stocking stuffer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is that what you want to pull go. out of your stocking? Is a book on anxiety? <laughs> hey, mom, what are you telling me? Well, like I'll, I'll joke around. I'll joke around with some of our people here, and they're like, "Wow, well, you know, that seems like a seminary resource." I'm like, "No, it's called practical theology. Exactly. Like, let's do seminary. Be, you know, be the church. Yes. Like, you ingest these things, take it in because it's it's super helpful. And not only will you change personally in your walk with the Lord and addressing your own anxieties, but it'll also equip you like you know yeah, we've, we've talked ready. about the one another's of scripture i mm-hmm. mean that this is this is equipping us to do the one another's of scripture so yeah absolutely and, and bob you you have brought to us today just a, a wonderful theological articulation of this issue and i really appreciate your honesty about you know this comes from a personal place mm. uh and i think that really does uh help you speak into this so well um what what final word of encouragement would you personally offer to people who are actually struggling with anxiety well some of that would as you just said jeremy come out of my own life what anxiety does in my life when i'm turning it to the lord is it makes me more god dependent Mm. you know i love podcast interviews and you can tell i enjoy this enjoy talking with the three of you once i get going it's natural and fun but coming up to it because of this kind of low-grade angstiness it's just a part of me i think until heaven Mm. Um, I faced that this morning, and so I had to practice what I preached this morning, Wow! which is real dependence on the Lord. Lord, give me a freedom in you. Help me whatever I'm feeling to, to speak, to minister to even Jeremy, Mike, and Shauna, to the listeners. Uh, so hmm. I think that the first word of encouragement is, yeah, parts of me wish I never had this battle, hmm. but I think it makes me a better counselor, it can make me a better husband, it can certainly make me a more God-dependent um, child of God. So, so that's one, take whatever thorn in the flesh. Uh, it may be for some people, it might be anxiety for somebody else. It might be anger, uh, and use that to make us more God dependent. And then the other piece is, I'm not saying as I, I share my battle that there haven't been victories in it. Mm-hmm. Um, even, you know, putting myself out there and writing and speaking for me, that's part of the victory. Uh, for somebody else, that victory is going to look different. So the final victory is in heaven, but we can have ongoing victory, even if the emotion doesn't totally go away. We can be strengthened and empowered by God to really serve others. And that's really the flip side. To get back to your question from a long time ago, Mike, that maybe I never fully addressed, what's the redemptive side of this? Yeah. Well, the redemptive side of this is taking the angstiness, the feeling to the Lord, soothing our soul in him. And instead of guarding ourselves, God, you're my guard. I don't have to guard myself. Help me to guard and protect and serve other people. And that's the ultimate calling that we have. Biblical counseling is not just fixing our feelings, but helping us to be more like Christ. And Christ was a servant of other people. So when, when people with anxiety can start guarding and protecting others, that's some real victory in anxiety. And that's why theology is so important in the counseling room. Yeah. And Bob, we, we, we want to say to you that, you know, you, you prayed this morning that you would be a blessing and we want you to know that, um, in both podcasts, uh, that has definitely been been answered. Absolutely. (laughs) Definitely. And what a blessing you are for the students at faith Bible seminary, since you're a professor there at biblical counseling and, and all that, that you shepherd, but not only just locally, but, um, all the books that you write. I Mm. mean, just as a new counselor starting out, I just remember Michael and I, you, you were the first book series that we invested in, right? It was, 
wasn't the four E's of equipping the local <laughs> yeah. church. That's, that was my first. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> cause we had no one in our life to really let us know what biblical counseling looked like. And so we needed resources like that you wrote in order to, to actually but, even see what is this. And here's, what's interesting about that, which was so revealing is that when we took that to, you know, a church and the elders, like they had no clue even what that looked like. So people that are, um, you know, pastors who are trying to figure out like, man, this, all this stuff is great. How do I, how do I develop and cultivate a biblical counseling ministry in the local church? It's just our, the, the elders didn't really know how to respond. They were overwhelmed by the task. They looked at all that and it's just like, um, okay. It, it, you yeah. know what I mean? It's just, it was, um, but just not realizing. And so the beautiful thing is that the Lord is absolutely in, in what I believe, you know, in the fourth generation of biblical counseling is, um, and, and I think Sean and I are a testament to what the Lord's doing yep. with wanting biblical counseling to be restored in the local church. And you just definitely, Amen. you don't even probably realize, well, I mean, you just, it's probably impossible for you to realize like how m- many ways your tools, the things that you've written has been multiplied, right? I mean, like, right now, Michael, and I get the opportunity to talk to you, but there's so many people who's picked that book up that has been able to impact their church and change the culture of the church and biblical counseling. So again, just keep doing what you're doing. I'm so thankful for you and all those that are listening. Again, you can check out more about Dr. Bob Kellerman at rpmministries.org. He has so many blogs, so many resources for you. Um, But then this is also where you can pick up this uh, anxiety, this book on anxiety, the booklet. And then in the previous podcast, if you have listen to that make sure to go back and listen and put in your shopping cart the gospel-centered family counseling and gospel-centered marriage counseling book um dr bob kelman i'm just so thankful I'm, I'm keeping saying that doctor because it's like i mean you worked for that you know what i mean it's so awesome but yet here you are on this podcast just being so humble and transparent with us so thank you um so much for that because i think that is encouraging for all of us as leaders out there um to just be relatable right to realize that you're not just someone that has all this head knowledge and writing a book, but you're living it. You know, you're counseling, you're shepherding, you're doing this. And um, and that's really what the words in the book will, will show. So um, thank you again. Any final words or anything you want to say as we close out? Oh, just uh, thanks to you, Shauna and Mike and Jeremy. You really encouraged me as we've thought together to encourage the listeners. So it, it's been fun. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, again, website will be in the show notes, rpmministries.org. Thanks for listening. And join us again on Speak the Truth.